live from the ESPN 690 and the Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. happening in Jacksonville? How you feeling about spending Shad Khan's money? I feel pretty good about it. I don't know about you guys, but uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been a key player in free agency. And with a roster that hasn't been very good, you know, I know the dangers of free agency. I don't think because you spend in free agency, it automatically makes you good. Uh, it could be a 50-50 proposition. But at this point, I think it's something the Jags had to do. It feels like a little bit coming off 2016 to get to 2017. And Shad was like, hey, it's time to win. And we're going to talk about that today. Whose call was this? Is this Shad Khan saying, listen, we got the cash. We got the cap space. I'm tired of this three wins, two wins, one win kind of stuff. Let's go at least be able to compete week in, week out, win some football games, and hopefully turn this thing into a perennial postseason team. But let's start here. And does spending money get us there? And I think that often is the case. I think it can get you there, along with some good drafts and a good nucleus of players. Brent Martineau on the road over in the Tampa area uh, for today and and, uh, kind of on the road all week. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios, along with Casey Kurtz monitoring all things free agency, a little Major League Baseball free agency as well. We've got the first four tonight on ESPN 690. Don't forget, go to ESPN690.com and fill out your brackets for a chance at a million bucks in the perfect bracket. And the biggest question on my mind today, I thought of it a couple of times. Did you get around the goose? Oh, yeah, we're all good with the goose now. Oh, what happened? I'm fine. Um, I, I, I had He's a treaty. Well, no, not really. I just had established dominance last night. It hasn't bothered me since, so we're all good. Okay. Yeah. Did, did Casey, you cool? cool Casey, did you see me last night? When I- so uh, I looked out the window, and I saw you screaming at it. Yeah. Oh. How'd you get around it? No, he just, he just let me he put his head back down and went away. Really? Yeah, man. See, me and Brian Middleton spent 20 minutes on the stairs. We couldn't get around him. No, man. You, you just got to look it dead in the eyes and, and, and let him know what's up right now. You know what I'm saying? That was Well, Brian yelled at it. Okay. I don't know why. Brian was like, hey. Hey, yeah. you don't want to do that. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then so we did that for a bit. And right when we had a plan, I'm telling you, this thing, like, pulled out its wings and started flying at us. Oh. And that's when we ran back in the building. We thought it was over for us type situation. Yeah. If you got the security cameras from out there, it's pretty bad. But we eventually got it. around it. And now I'm going in the other door. Yeah, see, I had to go I had to go old school like Nate Diaz, man, and kind of like, what's up then? Are we doing this or not? And just kind of, you know, I let him know what's up, and he backed down, so I was happy. So this morning when I came back to the studio, he just let me go. He didn't even bother me, and then he wasn't around, at least when I got here this afternoon. So huh. I, I think we're on good terms. <laughs> That's very good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I didn't see any emails going back and forth of people attacked today. Well, by the well that's because no one's parking in the parking lot now. They're all parking oh, really? outside the building. Yeah, there's, oh, literally yeah. No there's nobody there. in the parking lot. Really? Yeah. I mean, that got, that, you know, let's, let's be honest. You might have established some dominance one-on-one with that goose, Austin Lane. But I got a feeling the goose won the mental game with the uh, with the entire Cox Media Group. Oh, no, literally, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a 10-8 round for sure because my car is like the only one in the parking lot right now. It's crazy. It's a, it's a ghost town out there. <laughs> it's like COVID all over again. Yeah, pretty, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, the uh, we'll continue to update you on the goose. And hopefully there are no, like, uh, newsworthy stories. You really got to be a – you can have some fun with the goose. The goose stuff's real, protecting the eggs. I get it. But we got we, we, we don't want anything going viral because that's probably a negative thing. Yeah. yeah I'm, t- I'm telling you we need to call Logan Cook. I hate to say it. I'm going to be the one to say it, <laughs> but I think Logan Cook will get us in a good spot with the goose. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> hey, maybe, you know that guy on the ladder? If you look out our yes, window? Yes, yes. Maybe that's... <laughs> Maybe that's a good sniper spot. Yeah, now we're talking. Maybe just bring that guy over there and, like, you know, scare the goose. But actually, I did some reconnaissance, and I figured out what happened and why they're building the nest there. Do you know you know what's going on with that? No, I don't. So we, we have a, a lovely co-worker here that takes care of the cat in the parking lot. Yes. And they took it upon themselves to build the cat like a, like a bed and stuff. Well, the geese saw that and then decided to make that cat bed their nesting grounds. Oh. Uh. So that's what's, that's why they, they set up shop right next to the building. I see. That's yeah. Good, good find by the goose. Yeah. Um, and also, it's great to see now we are part of the Jacksonville Zoo branch. No, for sure, man. <laughs> yeah. Who are you telling? I didn't know they had a satellite campus. Who are you but telling? But apparently, we are part of I it. I know. That that goose stepped into, like, the Ritz-Carlton in terms of, of nesting grounds for sure. And we don't encourage. We're not, um, we're not encouraging people to come by. We don't want that, in fact. And we're not taking admissions. Not yet. We'll see if it, things get really bad on ESPN 690, and maybe we will charge admissions. But apparently in the creek over there adjacent to the building as well, which has a tendency to uh, flood if we get a bunch of rain, uh, also has a, has a gator in there. So oh, nice. we've got cats, we've got gators, we've got geese, and more to come. Yeah, for sure. Allegedly. Absolutely. And we're right near the ospreys, you know, yeah. the home of the ospreys. When And those things will sit up on that, like... Uh, uh, those electrical towers and just poop on your car left and right. Yeah, so. it's, that's a little annoying. <laughs> and, and, and to kind of get back to Casey's point a little bit, though, there's one of those animals that you actually eat for Christmas sometimes. So, you know, if the call's got to be made to handle this, so be it. I'm saying, like, at some point, somebody's going to have to snitch on the goose. Yeah. And Brian Middleton said he's not above it. Oh, so, I'm not above Hey. Listen. Hey. I, can't, I don't, look, hey. I hate parking on the side as much as everybody. I don't want the goose to win. But at the same time, when it started flying at me, I realized no, it's I, a wasn't, big animal. I wasn't ready. It's, yeah. a, it's a big animal now. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, amazing. Amazing. All right. Uh, now to the big story of the day. Not the goose, probably. Not yet, at least. Uh, what about Miles Jack, released by the Jacksonville Jaguars? We had this conversation yesterday, guys. We thought Miles Jack, I thought, could be on his way out after 22. I thought, okay, they're going to go strong in the middle. And I'm like Caldwell defense. I guess they said, nope, this is a replacement for Miles Jack, and we don't want some $20, $25 million tied up uh, in the middle of our defense there at the linebacker position, which I guess I do understand. But a flat-out release today yeah. did surprise me. This is a talented guy, okay? Um, maybe maybe you could say Miles Jack didn't live up to the new contract or live up to what some thought he'd be. I think Miles Jack's been a pretty good player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they have done Miles wrong at times by putting him in, in different schemes and different spots and not letting him settle and ask him to do some things that maybe didn't fit to the strongest side of his game. But I think he's been a good player. Um, I think he's been overall good, good player for the Jacksonville Jaguars, good person in that locker room, all those things. They got six years out of a guy that a lot of people weren't sure you could get that long out of if you go all the way back to the draft. Um, but I still think he's a valuable enough player for somebody else in the league to maybe make a trade and then restructure a deal, Austin. Were you a little surprised it was a flat-out release? I was definitely surprised. You know, I mean, it, it's no secret that there was a little bit of regression this year, you know, whether he had the green dot in his helmet or not. Um, There's a couple times where, you know, there's some busted coverages that, you know, it's probably fair to say some of those were his fault. But if you look at the body of work of Miles Jack and what he's been able to do when he's been put in the right positions and in the right situations, um, he has been, you know, uh, I would say a good linebacker for this team. So 
I'm not surprised that Doug Peterson company decided to move on now. You know, they've got other guys filling that spot, and you don't want to make that such a high priority in terms of, you know, strapping so much of the cap just to the middle line or the, the linebacking core. But at the same time, I feel like you might have been able to get something for him, and, and it might have been like a rash decision. Yeah, I well, I can't imagine there's too many rash decisions, right? I mean, they still would have a little bit of time here. They don't need to do anything super soon. And so I think they could have floated this. They must have asked around. Usually word gets out if somebody's shopping a player. So we didn't hear any of that, uh, and the national guys didn't hear any of that, obviously. So they kept it pretty much under wraps, or they didn't try that hard. I mean, I guess. But I, I just thought maybe the market would be a little higher for a guy like Miles Jack. And, again, if you put him in a 4-3 scheme, Austin, and put him on the weak side, you know what you get? You get what he, the Jags got in their 1-15 year. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that sounds bad. No, it isn't. Miles Jack, if that team was 500, played at a, he was a pro bowler that year. He was, he was a good player that year, a very good player. And he had good moments in other spots. And he was never, in my opinion, terrible. But he had a very good year that year in the appropriate scheme. It took him a long time to get there. And in six years with Jacksonville, he really didn't play in his probably best fit very often. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, we, we go back to when Yannick Ngakwe was trying to get that contract and went to Miles Jack and, and maybe we questioned it a little bit because at the time, what, he was a top three paid linebacker in the league? I think when that contract came out, wasn't he? Yeah, it was, it was pretty high. They were getting ahead of it a little bit. Yeah, he, trying to get ahead of no, it. No, I get I, getting ahead of it. But then, you know, I always say, like, what is, what is the money saying about you? I mean, if you're paid like a top three linebacker, well, then you got to produce like one. And, and, you know, I'm not saying it's all Miles Jack's fault. I mean, he is responsible for his play on the field. But it's like we've talked about. There was instances, I feel like, where he wasn't really set up to succeed, whether he is calling the plays, whether it was a new defense. I mean, you know, especially from the linebacking position where you're, you're kind of the general of the team, especially the inside linebacker position, and you go from a 4-3 to a 3-4, not everybody's wired for that. Not everybody's fit for that. You know, I mean, you, you see a guy like one of the one of the greatest linebackers of the decade, Luke Keekley. I mean, he was made for the 4-3. He goes to the 3-4, and he still has success, but he'll be the first one to tell you, like, he didn't feel the most comfortable doing that and decided to walk away for other reasons. But that's just a prime example of, of you know, one of the best linebackers of the decade saying, yeah, I mean, the 3-4 wasn't really for me. I... I I don't know why it didn't work out for Miles Jack last year when he lost the green dot, you know, and we wasn't making the plays anymore because I thought that defense was going to be set up for him to succeed, to run around, um, to fly east to west. And, and you just saw a lot of confusion, not just from him because it's the guys around him as well, but, you know, you saw some confusion from Miles Jack. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You get back in a 4-3 defense, which you're accustomed to, get on the outside, use your speed, you don't have to make any of the calls, and I'm sure he's going to flourish. I'm going to be fully honest with you here, and I'll go back to some of the things we say in our business. Everybody likes to say, I told you so, I told you so. I see more freaking I told you so's about everything that's coming out uh, day in, day out. It it does drive me nuts. Um, So I'll tell you what I told you. I told you, I thought 2016, I was in Chicago for that draft. I loved Miles Jack. I thought Miles Jack was, I said this multiple times, I thought maybe was the best player in the draft. Kind of good. And obviously he had the knee stuff. And half the teams, and maybe even more than half the teams, were very alarmed by that. He drops all the way to the second round. The Jags, I thought, I think they moved up like two picks to get him. Great move in my estimation by the Jags. I think the Jags getting Miles Jack, I thought it was part of a very good draft at the time, right? Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe. Terrific. Uh, maybe the best three rounds 
that we can that we've had and mm-hmm. we can remember. And I I thought they would get more out of him. And I'm going to side with Miles on this side, uh, on this thing here. And I'm going to tell you that I think the Jags didn't do right as much by Miles Jack as Miles Jack failed the Jags in terms of how good I think he could have been here in Jacksonville. By the way, this guy's only going to be 27 years old. He still could play a lot more football at a very high level. And like you said, in a right spot, in a right fit. And and look out now. He's still got a lot of good football ahead of him. I think he's a – you just don't find the tool set that, that this guy has in many places. And uh, – I, I don't know, man. I think trying to teach him all three different spots early on, going strong side, going middle, going weak side, you know, going 3-4. I really think the Jags didn't squeeze enough out of Miles Jack's talent because of the positions they put him in more than Miles Jack didn't squeeze enough out of his talents. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there, but it, it still does come down to the player, you know, and, and great ones can find a way to, to make it work to the best of their abilities. And, you know... Obviously, he's not fitted for a 3-4 defense, or at least the one that you saw last year. But, you know, there's there's other examples. You know, remember he got ejected and he was a captain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that, that wasn't a good oh, look. Yeah, bad. You know, that, that was a horrible look when he threw that punch. Um, I forgot who the guy was. was. Kansas City. Kansas City, Kansas City right? game, but I forgot First who. Game in the end zone, yeah. Yeah, but I forgot was who the. Was that Watkins? I think it was Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. Might have been DeMarcus, DeMarcus Robinson. Robinson yeah. Number 11, I think. I but, um, right. yeah. But, uh, so, you know, that wasn't a good look for Miles back in 19. But it's just, to me, it comes down to more of the system. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's the, the mental game that he's probably got to figure out a little more. The athleticism is there. You know, I mean, you don't go from playing both sides of the ball in college um, and not be a freak athlete. And I still think he has that. I'm not really sure if he's even lost a step. To me, it's just it's finding a place where he's comfortable, a defense that can sustain, and a defense that he can kind of expect the same thing year in and year out. And unfortunately, when he was here, you know, it was all types of wrinkles and all types of schemes and everything. It just didn't fit his playing style. Yeah, I think it was just a lack of direction for the organization at times. And you and I have talked about this a lot. Guys like Taven Bryan even. And I'm not saying Taven Bryan didn't. I think Taven Bryan's an example of a guy who hasn't got a lot out of his talents. Now, he wasn't always put in a great situation right off the rip. But since then, he has been. And he didn't get enough out of his talents. But I just think, you know, we agree on this, that the Jags ask too much of people sometimes. And they, they try to move positions or make them versatile positions instead of just saying, here's what you do really well, and we are going to be good because you do this really well, and you are going to be great because this is where you fit. They have not done enough of that. Even to the point, and, and we have recent history of this, and we can sit here and we can make fun and poke fun at uh, the green dot of, of Urban Meyer, and we all knew it. And, but, again, that's doing wrong by the player. Like, do your damn homework. Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke, everybody. We all knew it. Everybody in town knew it. Everybody in the locker room knew it. Everybody in the building should have known it. Don't put them in that situation mm-hmm. to, to get a player uncomfortable. And so, listen, I know I'm sounding a little bit like I'm defending Miles here, um, and, and in a way I kind of am. I think, again, I'll, I'll stand by this. I think Miles Jack was a good player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he had the chance to be a great player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think the Jaguars didn't help get him to be great. Did Miles have a part of that? Probably. He probably did, uh, to, to Austin's point. But I think it was, was one of these examples where the, I just don't think the organization did him right on countless different occasions, by the way, and in multiple different uh, regimes and schemes. So uh, expect, listen, don't be surprised if a guy like Miles Jack is really good now that he leaves here, uh, even better. And don't be surprised, I think, of DJ Chark now going to Detroit. 
who takes off. And I know that's a real risk-reward there on the Jags' part. I don't fault the Jags for letting DJ go, but I'm not going to be surprised if DJ goes and has, you know, the next five years be really, really good. Well, and, uh, that, and that's to say, I mean, maybe they did, they did offer, maybe DJ just wanted a change of scenery as he well. Might have. You know, he I mean, it, he indicated that, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, if, if you would have franchise tagged him, well, then you, you're kind of, you know, showing his hand there. But when you f- chose to franchise tag Cam Robinson, I think that was the beginning of the end for DJ Chark, regardless of how much money you threw at him. I just think that he wants a change of scenery. And it's going to be, I mean, it'll be a pressure season on him in Detroit because it's essentially a prove it deal. But I think. You know, and, and we'll see what Zay Jones can do. I mean, I think you're talking about a, a wide receiver three or, or maybe a four. I mean, I think he's going to be in competition with a guy like Marvin Jones for playing time. But, you know, it, it, it begs the question of would you rather have had a DJ Chark or would you rather have given all money to, to Zay Jones? Well, and that's really where I was going next. How do we answer that? You know, um, listen, I know people are really scratching their head at the Zay Jones. Uh, move. I'm not sure I'm scratching my head at it to that degree. I, I, I am relative to maybe DJ, and you're right. DJ might have been the, the heavy in this and said, hey, I kind of want to try something different. I talked to these guys at the Combine a couple weeks ago, and they admitted when I asked them, said that the, the market for DJ is really tricky. And actually, Austin, I thought DJ would have got more than he got. He got one year, basically a $10 million deal. I think it could go to 12 but it's really a show-me deal. So the market says... He really wasn't being coveted in terms of even a Zay Jones kind of deal. Uh, but I do think it's fair to ask the question, would you rather have DJ than Zay Jones? And I think my answer to that would be yes, uh, because I think we're going to end up giving something to the, what was it, like 20-something guaranteed to Zay Jones? Does that sound right? Or maybe it's in the 14. I think it was 14 million guaranteed to Zay Jones uh, over the time of his contract. So... Yeah, I think if you ask me that question, I like what I know, and I think, uh, like you always say, I've seen the good of DJ Chark, and I only think he's going to get better. And I think he has a skill set that's that's not easy to find out there, too. So I think I wish I would have kept uh, DJ Chark. Now, if he didn't want to be here, he didn't want to be here. No, exactly, and that very well could have been the case. By the way, Zay Jones um, getting a three-year, $24 million contract, including a $14 million um, guarantee and a $5.5 million signing bonus. Yeah, so there's $14 million tied up. Uh, w- could you have taken that $14 million and in some way, shape, or form tied it into a show-me-year or two-year type of deal like they did with Marvin Jones for DJ Chark? I would yeah. say yes. Yeah, and I hope that was kind of the case. You know, I mean, and once again, like, at that point, Chark wa- had to have wanted to be here, and I'm not sure if that's the case. Maybe he just wanted to... You know, say peace, I'll see you later, and I'm going to start anew. And if that's the case, then more power to you, right? Because, yeah, you had a great season here, but I'm sure there's some frustration built up with Urban Meyer. There's a lot of frustration built up with the old regime, and maybe he just wanted the, the change of scenery. But I think that if you're the Jaguars, you're Trent Bulky, I just hope that you did try to throw that kind of offer at him because I think in terms of the Zay Jones money, yeah, I mean, we'll see what Zay Jones can do. You know, I mean, he's he's been around the league for a while. I think you kind of know what you're getting now. Maybe he plays his best football in Jacksonville. Time will tell. But you have a young guy like DJ Chark who, you know, has gone to a Pro Bowl. I hope you at least try to throw that money at DJ Chark. And he, he, he declined. He, he said, no, thanks. I'm all set. And then it went to Zay Jones. Yeah, so uh, it's it, you know, it's pretty interesting to me. And it tells you where the Jags organization potentially is, it, is at. And while... I think sometimes we're in denial about it. I think we've got to readily admit it. Uh, there's three indications to me that the Jaguars have to, their perception has to get better um, around the league. 
players, agents, everything, fans. Uh, and I think the three indications of that are this. One, they spent like crazy and probably overspent to get some of these guys. Two, Amari Cooper didn't happen here. And he picked Cleveland. It, potentially, potentially. Now, I don't know the, we don't know the full story. But did he potentially pick Cleveland over Jacksonville if that was an option? And a guy like DJ Chark, did he potentially say, yeah, I want out of Jacksonville. I'm going to Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, we don't know that. And I'm not even going to pretend like we do know where their feelings were. Was this money? How much interest was there? Did they offer the right amount for Amari Cooper? Did they want to take over the South? Listen, all those things are on the table. But if it comes out in the wash that those are some of the reasons why those guys went elsewhere is because they didn't really want to be in Jacksonville, wanted to try something different, or didn't want to come here in the Amari Cooper case. And then you realize and you know they had to spend and overspend to get a guy like Christian Kirk in here. Well, that's a reality, right? A reality check of where the organization potentially could be at. No, and I think that's kind of uh, of what took place here, you know, because, I mean, once again, we talked about this yesterday a little bit, but if you at least didn't make a play and offer what the Cleveland Browns offered for Amari Cooper, then you're doing yourself a disservice, you know? So uh, I assume Cooper had a little bit of say of what he wanted to do. And I think, you know, the, the Cowboys respected him enough to do that. And that's why he went to the Browns. I get Doug Peterson coming in here in terms of, because even like when Urban Meyer came in here, we were excited when it first happened. You know, like we, we were optimistic. We had hope. But there was also that school of thought there that said, well, he hasn't proven anything yet. Right? And, and Urban Meyer is a very polarizing figure. And not everybody agreed, uh, you know, with the hiring of Urban Meyer. And rightfully so. They were right. Congratulations. But I think with Doug Peterson, like, you're not seeing a lot of people out there saying, oh, they shouldn't have got Doug Peterson. They shouldn't have got Doug Peterson. Now, the way of getting Doug Peterson, you know, we'll, we'll go down history as, all right, the, that was kind of a clown show. It is what it is. But you still got your guy. I think Doug Peterson is kind of like that safe calm right now that is attracting free agents to come here because he does have a resume. He does have a Super Bowl victory. So he's got that going for him. And players, that means something to them. But also, I think there's a school of thought that says, well, yeah, Doug Peterson's coming in. He's the calming force, but he still has a lot to work to do to try to repair the reputation of these Jacksonville Jaguars that took precedent the past three or four years. Because there's a lot of bad optics. There is a lot of bad culture. And I think some of those guys, regardless of Doug Doug Peterson's here or not, are ready to go to a different team and say, yeah, I see what they're doing in Jacksonville, but I'm not convinced quite yet. Yeah, so uh, that's something that maybe will flip, right? If you make some, you pay the big bucks, you make some of the right moves, and now you start winning games, and you can flip that in a hurry, by the way. You can do it. You just have to make the right decisions. And I'm talking five to eight decisions in this whole couple-month period that started with Doug Peterson uh, and will end with the draft. We'll uh, see if they can do that. Brent Martindale. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on the road a little bit. Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Shack studios here on a Tuesday. What does it say that the Jags had to overspend to the point they did? And do you care that they might have upset the NFL marketplace because of it? Talk a little bit more about the Jags free agency. It has been a wild ride in free agency, and we're seeing definitely a turning over of this roster under Trent Baalke and now Doug Peterson. More to come. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I think it's Jameis Winston. I don't even think it's close. If we look at Jameis the first five years of his career, he averaged 16 interceptions per season. You can't play quarterback in the NFL, at least as a winner, 
and do that. Then you go back to last year before the ACL injury, seven starts. Through those seven starts, three interceptions. So he's trending towards breaking that narrative and setting career highs when it comes to minimal interceptions. He was also on track for a high for completion percentage, QBR, pass rating, and yards per attempt. So if you watch the tape, you watch the player make much better decisions, value the football much more. That is Dan Orlowski, of course, from ESPN. Davis Winston still out there. What's the latest with Deshaun Watson? We'll get into that in just a bit. Let's stay on the Jags for a little longer now. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, guys, has the uh, flood of names slowed up overall on uh, social media? I mean, obviously, it was a big five, six-hour swing. It didn't really stop into the evening hours last night. And now I feel like today it's starting to trickle in a little bit more and probably do the same over the next couple of days. Yeah, I haven't seen too much today. I mean, now it seems like it's all about the Deshaun Watson rumors more than anything. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we're Watson, including Atlanta, in the fray, which is pretty interesting because didn't they just front like $15 million or something to Matt Ryan yeah. like a few days ago? Yeah. So uh, that's an interesting storyline we'll get into in just, uh, just a bit. Uh, let's stay on the Jags like I mentioned. Do you mind that the Jags, heck, they might even have ticked some people off the way they did some of these contracts and really overpaid uh, maybe the marketplace and reset the market to get some? I think I don't know who it was that tweeted today that, uh, you know, the Jags kind of paid this and that, and uh, some of the other teams are like, uh, no, nah, we're not paying that to you guys. <laughs> and now the agents oh, are sure, like putting sure. their hand out, which they should. I mean, I would do that if I was the agent, too. Like, hey, if this is Christian Kirk's market. Mm -hmm. then, um, so do you mind the Jags doing that? I mean, I don't mind them doing that because we always talk about it if it's not our money, number one. And number two, I mean, the more starters you can get in free agency, the better. And I think it's safe to say right now, uh, depending with Evan Ingram, I think you got five solid starters on your team that you didn't have before free agency started. So I'm not mad at that whatsoever. Um, talk to me in two or three years. You know, if guys are playing well or guys aren't playing well, then we can have that conversation. But at the end of the day, I mean, scared of money don't make money. And they spent some, so I'm, I'm not mad at it. I, I don't care what the other agents or other teams are thinking about it. I mean, the, hey, you know, I'd rather see them spend all the money than just sit on it, and then we have the same roster from last year. Yeah, listen, I agree. I, I don't. I have no problem with it. And this is, I think the Jags had to do this a couple of times since I've been here, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the organization has stunk overall. And um, I'm not saying people haven't tried and they haven't tried to get it better and make it better, but they haven't won. And winning cures it. And uh, especially coming off these last four or five years, it, it has not been good. It's been a, a nightmare perception-wise for the Jacksonville Jaguars ever since they went to the AFC Championship game, quite frankly. So if this is what you got to do to turn the organization around, fine. What's the other motivation here behind the money? Well, Trent Baalke's trying to save his butt. That's what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely he is. I mean, listen, the guy shouldn't have the GM job. Well, he really shouldn't. And, and everybody knows that. And Trent probably knows that. That he's the luckiest man in the NFL, maybe, to have the GM job, quite frankly. And so what's the best way to save it? What's the best way to move it forward? What's the best way to buy yourself time and prove it? Well, get some people who can play and win some games. Yeah. I mean, listen, the barometer for the Jacksonville Jaguars is not that hefty. I mean, they go win seven games this year. Your owner thinks you're doing a hell of a job. That's for damn sure, I would think. So, um and, heck, I'm not sure many people would disagree. <laughs> like, if you win seven games, I think uh, maybe you are doing a good job. 
at least turn this thing in the right direction. I don't think this uh, Doug Peterson, I don't know where his philosophy on this is, but he obviously looked at the roster and said, we need some players. Uh, and then the other player in all this is shot. And I mentioned this at the top of the show. In 2016, when Gus Bradley didn't win and they moved on from Gus, really, and really kept a lot of everything else, and then added uh, uh, Doug Marone as their coach and Tom Coughlin, which ironically, by the way, I was uh, at the Yankees complex today right across from uh, Raymond James Stadium, and when they made that decision, we were at the national championship game between Clemson and Alabama on a Monday when they hired those guys. Uh, and we actually thought it was going to be Mike Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy that we're, we're talking about that because, uh, I mean, I'm literally miles away from it right now here in the Tampa area. Uh, that was the Deshaun Watson, by the way, uh, went over Alabama. It was a hell of a national championship game. Uh, so now I'm really going off on a tangent down memory lane. But if you go back to 16 to 17, I felt like Shad finally said, you know what? I am tired of losing. And we are going to win. And we're going to do whatever the heck we have to do to win. And we're going to go get Calais Campbell. We're going to go get A.J. Boye. We're going to get players like that because we have enough guys here that are pretty good and that can and win some games. Now, I don't know if he even thought they could go to the AFC Championship game. But the story back then is one of the reasons they didn't go with Josh McDaniels was because he wanted to blow the thing up. And Shad was like, no, we're going to add and we're going to win now. We're going to do it now. And I get the feeling, Austin, that that's, what we're, that's where we're at in 2022. It's like, okay. Four wins in two years. It's been a mess. We've had two number one overall picks. We've got our quarterback. It's go time. And so let's go spend money. So my question to you is, do you think this is shot motivated? Or do you think this is Trent motivated and maybe even a little Doug motivated? No, I mean, there's, you know, there's a combination here because we had to hear the word collaboration at least 25 <laughs> times during that press conference. So it's definitely a collaboration here. But I think if you talk about some of the signings, like Sheriff, I think – that's got Doug Peterson written all over it. Uh, I think Peterson came in and said, we have to establish um, the trenches. And I think Sheriff is, is that guy. So I think that was more uh, of a Doug Peterson um, type you know, signing. I, I think in, in terms of getting weapons for Trevor Lawrence, that was probably a collective. Because once again, Doug Peterson, former quarterback, offensive-minded coach, he's obviously got Trevor's back. I think Trent Baalke knows what's at stake. And I think if you're Shad Khan, you realize what you got with Trevor Lawrence where you try to have to do right by him. Um, and set him up for success, right? Because it's not every single day you can get a quote-unquote, you know, a once-in-a-generational type player. Now, obviously, Trevor's got to earn that moniker and all that, but that's what you essentially have right now, um, at least in, in, in formality with Trevor Lawrence. So I think that was more of just, you know, once again, the collaboration saying we got to help Trevor Lawrence out. And then on the defensive side of the ball, that could have been more bulky. It could have been more Caldwell, but I don't think it's just one guy – um, you know, like a Trent Bucky that's running this show right now. I, I think Doug Peterson has a lot of say of of who the free agents are and what they're trying to go after. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I agree with you. I don't think there's one answer, but I do kind of wonder where the, you know, Shad will tell you that he learned a lot through the process, and he's he's always learning, and he's talking to a lot of people around the NFL, and I wonder how much feedback he got in in those interviews with a countless number of interviews that they did of, hey, here's my plan. I'm going to spend. You have a lot of money. We're going to spend. We're going to draft well, but we're going to spend. You know, and I wonder if that put it in his mind, and Trent, by the way, being in the room there, to say, okay, it's time to spend. I will say, Trent, you know, he didn't back off it a couple weeks ago. He said, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to spend Shaw's money. <laughs> he sure. actually said that. So, uh, and then I, I agree with Doug. Uh, so I, I do think it's collaborative, but I guess sooner or later you've got to get the call from the boss to say, okay, it's, it's okay to spend it. 
you know. And But see, Sean's been willing to spend it in the past. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think if you look over the last 10 years or something like that, they've spent just as much, if not more, than anybody else in the NFL, which also shows you where they've been. But they've spent a lot of money. So Sean hasn't been like the, the, the NFL setup where you kind of have to spend money. But it's not like Sean's been cheapening out at, at the free agency stuff. He has spent a lot of money. They just have to make better decisions draft-wise, in free agency, keep them, all these things. But it's really interesting to hear coming off uh, Doug and Trent saying, hey, we got to draft, develop, and keep. Well, they just went and paid six guys an enormous amount of money. And one of the things they said there, Austin, remember coming out of the combine, was you got to be really careful signing free agents because what does it say to your guys that are already in the locker room if they're outperforming a guy you just brought in for $18 million a year? Well, that screams out to Christian Kirk. And that's why we said yesterday, the pressure's on Kirk to deliver almost like right away. Yeah. Or you can you could sense like that wide receiver room be like, what the hell? Why am I getting paid $8 million? Oh, no, no, without a doubt. Uh, a few things from that, though. Yeah, yeah I understand that. You know, you got to take care of the guys in the locker room first before those free agents. But this is a three-win team, and the previous year a one-year team. So, like, I'm not sure how many guys are in the locker room saying, well, I mean, I played better than this free agent did. I don't think really any of those guys in the locker room can say that right now because we, we saw what it looked like last year. We saw what it looked like two years ago. And, yes, there is definitely going to be a lot of pressure on Christian Kirk. You know, I mean, there's – I get it. You got Trevor Lawrence a weapon, but it came at a very high price. But I think the beauty is this. I understand right now you see this wide receiving core. You see Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk. You know, we'll see it with LaVisca Chanel. Uh, I think Treadwell is still here, if I'm not mistaken, or is he gone? He's still uh, – Did they just uh, – oh, no, it wasn't – I just saw some news, but it wasn't uh, Treadwell. Okay, so he's still uh, here Terry then. Godwin. Okay, so we'll say he's still here, and then Jamal Agnew. But is, is well, Treadwell a free agent? Was he a free agent? Um, Oh, he might be then. I'm pretty okay. sure he's a free agent. Okay. Okay, yeah, so he's free agent. I, I don't think so, Okay, so scratch. I mean, regardless, if he's playing in the game, you probably have other issues as well. But you got Evan Ingram, Dan Arnold. I get it. It's not the sexiest look on paper. But the beauty of these signings, I think personally, is that if Trevor Lawrence is who we think he's supposed to be, then he's going to elevate these guys. If Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be the savior of this franchise, then Christian Kirk is supposed to have a, a, a monumental year, probably his first year over 1,000 yards. If Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be, you know, the guy that we think he's going to be, then Evan Ingram is going to have a season where that's who we thought he was going to be the whole time in New York. So to me, yeah, you, I assume you probably get another guy in the draft. You should. I mean, the, pick number 33, there's going to be a guaranteed great receiver there just waiting for you. And depending how it shakes out, Hopefully they get that receiver as well. But I think your wide receiving group this year looks better than last year. Trevor yeah. Lawrence going from year one to year two, where you make your most progress as a football player, I like that as well. So to me, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Christian Kirk. There's also a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Because now this team is investing in, in making sure you got the, the guys that you, know, you need to be successful. No, it's not the, the sexiest guys once again, but they're better guys than last year. So I think it's more on Trevor Lawrence even than it is on a guy like Christian Kirk or a guy like Evan Ingram. Yeah, and that's fair enough. i got a question about Trevor Lawrence and all of this, too. Uh, we'll do that when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Tuesday. Free agency frenzy continues. The NFL League year is tomorrow. So all of these agreed-upon contracts will then be signed. And you'll start hearing from some of these free agents uh, most likely on Thursday and Friday here in Jacksonville. We'll be right back on ESPN 690.
Brian Middleton here. Listen, if you're a fan of Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane, then I have a treat for you. Every Monday and Thursday from 6 to 7, your Sports Talk Fix gets one more hour of greatness with Action Sports Jacks overtime with Casey Kurtz and myself. We're breaking down local and national sports, and with segments like Cash It or Trash It, Vague Headlines, and I Said What I Said, every moment is action-packed. So remember, every Monday and Thursday after Action Sports Jacks, stick around for Action Sports Jacks overtime from 6 to 7 right here on ESPN 690. When you look at it, it's really a three-year, $150 million contract. There was one year already existing, so it really turns into a two-year, $124 million contract. And I think people say, well, what's the significance of this? The significance is it shaves over $16 million in cap space off the Packers cap this year and allows them the flexibility to go tag a player like Devontae Adams. And again, that is, I think, the big number. And it's also going to be reviewed on a year-to-year basis, where if Aaron Rodgers were to walk away after this year or after next year, the Green Bay Packers are essentially kicking the can. That is Adam Schefter. And you talk about how you can manipulate the cap to Green Bay Packers, maybe the latest and greatest, best example of how to do it with Aaron Rodgers. It's a mega deal on paper. Uh, don't feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. His bank account will be doing just fine. Uh, he can try whatever kind of method of cleansing he would like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. Uh, even if it costs a lot. Brent Martineau along with Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Hey, let's get uh, South Beach Gary and He's been hanging around. Uh, we'll get him in, I think, on uh, the Miles Jack uh, story. What's happening, man? Hey, guys. I apologize about yesterday. You went to me quicker than you usually do, Brent. Oh, that's all right. No problem. <laughs> Uh, uh, didn't mean to leave you guys in the lurch. Yeah, I was pretty, pretty uh, up to date on that Mike White thing. I think he leaves like the next day or two after I said a different school than I thought. But yeah, a lot of people had him penciled in for. Real quick. Yeah, a lot of people had him penciled in for Ole Miss. Um, I don't think anybody saw the Georgia thing coming. Uh, the, the Miles Jack guys. Do you think that has, is going to have any bearing on uh, whether uh, Brandon Lender? Is, is he going to be another possible cap casualty, or what, or what, what do you think they're going to do with Brandon Lander? Does that mean anything to Miles Jack? Or does that uh, affect him in any way? Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks, South Beach Gary. I think it's a good question about Linder. Um, I know that's been floated around a little bit today. Yeah. I don't see it, Austin, and I'm just going off what I – I looked those guys in the face a couple weeks ago and said, you feel like you're pretty set at center with Linder and Shatley, and, and they said, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean they can't change their mind. And they weren't going to tell me what they planned to do anyway, I don't think. So there might be a little poker going on. And, and again, things can change over the course of how much they spent, how much they got, all that stuff in free agency. I still believe – I don't think you're doing a service to this team by opening up more holes in positions that you could be all set on. And the Jags basically – I don't think they opened up a major hole by get, letting go of Miles Jack. I think they have the potential to open up a major hole if they let Brandon Linder go. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is another guy who obviously started out here in Jacksonville. Um, when he's on the field, he's pretty reliable. You know, the the, the question is, can he remain healthy um, for this season? I don't see him going anywhere unless, you know, that there was some kind of trade involved that you just couldn't pass up. But unless you can replace him with a better center, I just don't feel the need to let him go right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, listen, there's the J.C. Treaders of the world and those guys out there, but, but I'm not sure they are that much better. And to be honest with you, I like the way their backup – this is what I say about their backup position with Shatley, is that 
it's almost like this complimentary position. If Linder gets hurt and he can't make it through, well, then you got a guy who's pretty good, you know, and, yeah. and that's okay. No, for sure. I think just with Brandon Linder, you're talking about a guy who last year played in nine games and the year before that played in nine games. And then, yeah. you know, back in 18, played in nine games as well. It seems to be his lucky number. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the, the talent on the field. It's just the, it's the ability to stay healthy, which is also important, I feel like. Yeah, but they just spent $50 million, apparently, and $30 million guaranteed on a guy who also has had a little bit of injury trouble on in the offensive line and Sheriff. True. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can do it both ways. It just depends how much you're concerned. I think it's the nature of the sport sometimes. And um, I hope they keep Linder. I, I, I do. I, I think it is a little bit interesting. Again, I go back to that second contract kind of talk. And I think it's pretty interesting that guys like Miles Jack was on a second contract. Linder's already been on a second contract. Um, and, and they might part with guys like that, or they could potentially. And, of course, you can't keep everybody. DJ Chark, they, they try to keep Cam Robinson around for a little bit, and maybe that gets extended even down the road. DJ Chark, that's a no-go. Uh, you got to make tough decisions in the business. I understand that. Um, so we'll see what happens with uh, Brandon Linder. Quick question about uh, Trevor Lawrence. And you mentioned it. You said pressure on Trevor. He looks like he's got an elevated cast around him. I would agree. What happened last year is when ETN went out and DJ Chark went out, it was like, ooh, you know? Like, he didn't, really, he didn't have anywhere to go. Marvin Jones maybe lost a step a little bit. He was very inconsistent. And then LaVisca played poorly. James Robinson gets hurt. You really didn't have much. I mean, heck, the saving grace of that offense for me for a little stretch was Dan Arnold. You know, yeah, um, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, that is saying something. But that was like, I thought, a very key piece, an important piece. You know, the one thing we're leaving out here is ETN coming back. So if you have ETN and you hopefully have Robinson and now you add Ingram and Arnold and now you put in these receivers and hopefully even draft one more and you put an all-pro and, and a guy in, at, uh, at, right, at right or left guard and now you had Norwell who also had that on his resume, but this guy's better. So I think you're right about Trevor. I think, uh, hey, we're doing a pretty good job around you. We're giving you more. Uh, is it the Rolls-Royce of the NFL? Probably not. There are teams and quarterbacks that have better, but this isn't bad to work with and see him take a step. What I'm interested in, Austin, do you think they consulted in him at all in this process? We get caught up in that, right? We see Brady and we see Burrow and we see have those conversations. What went on in Green Bay? You know, I feel like if you asked a guy like uh, Trevor, I think he would almost wanted to keep a guy like DJ Chark around. Oh and, yeah, I mean they, they were you know they were training together right before free agency, so yeah. I, I would definitely say so. But he's not a dummy either, right? I mean he knows hey it's a business, and also I wonder how much he vouches for a guy like it's like that. He loves Treadwell. I mean him and it's their wives are really close and stuff. But Treadwell is not like an A-list receiver, and I think probably Trevor even knows that. So. It's a really interesting behind – I don't know anything about what's going on in terms of how much they're talking, communicating, asking, keeping them in the loop. But I think that part of it is pretty fascinating because you're right. Just last week there's video of him at Bishop Kenny working out with DJ Chark, and a week later he's in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I hope there was some sort of consultation there with Trevor Lawrence just to kind of get his thoughts about what do you think about Christian Kirk and everything. But keep in mind, Trevor's still learning this game as well. True. You know, and yeah. it was a it was a rough first year for him, um, you know, in terms of everything that happened. So, I mean, while I'm sure they did get his input a little bit, I'm not sure how many of the calls he was really making his first yeah. year. Um, yeah, and I think Trevor probably – you know, that depends on player, too, right? Trevor's probably like, listen, you guys do your job, I'll do mine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and he might be, of all the people that right now in that building might trust Doug Peterson, Trevor may be more than anybody trusts Doug Peterson. He has to, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you hope. 
I don't know if that trust was ever there with Urban. True. So, um, interesting to see how Trevor plays along in these decisions, not just now, but as it uh, goes along. We'll take a break. We come back. We talk more free agency action sports shacks on ESPN 690. What's happening with Deshaun Watson, by the way? What's the latest? Could the Atlanta Falcons end up with Deshaun Watson? That's a wild situation to watch over the next couple of days. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Hey, hey. Turn up, uh. 